back. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. I'm your host, Wobby, joined as usual by my partner, Giles. 10 days out, everyone, 10 days out from the NFL draft. An exciting time in the NFL offseason, an exciting time for the entire year. If you think about games, playoffs, preseason, draft, I think most folks have put draft way up on their list, maybe right behind the start of the playoffs. And so uh, draft season uh, is almost actually over. We only have 10 more days to go until we find out what teams actually do in the NFL draft. So we're going to talk about that a little bit on today's show, but we have some other things to address as well. Our position by position look at the Vikings roster actually concludes today. We have made it through all the position, all the positions save the specialists. So we're going to knock that one off today, and then we will have completed our position by position look at the Vikings roster this offseason. We'll tackle a few odds and ends, news and nuggets across the NFL as well. So lots to get to today, and we're excited to do it. And to help me with it will be Giles. Let's join or let's welcome him in right now. Hey, Giles, how are we doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, definitely have bittersweet feelings uh, this time of year, because when I think about the draft, I often kind of pair that that moment with uh, the feeling of good weather. Uh, I uh, kind of use that as kind of the, the tipping point where things start to get nicer outside. You can go and uh, spend some time in the yard. But as most Minnesotans would see outside, we have a lot more snow than typical. So uh, now I'm starting to wonder, are we going to have snow on the ground for the draft? I don't know. I, I think I think we're going to escape that. I think we're going to, I think we're going to avoid that. Even if it does come this weekend, which it could, I got to think we're going to be able to rebound a little bit, but uh, if there is, I mean, that that's, isn't that one of the things, um, you know, the Vikings, like all teams, you fly in, you typically fly in your draft pick after you take them. So you take, you know, whoever you take Adrian Peterson, um, and now with the way they run the draft, it's on Thursday. So, you know, you take your first round pick on Thursday, you fly him in Thursday, Thursday night, or first thing Friday morning, maybe, you know, and, um, a lot of times you're getting someone who's from California, Florida, Texas, Arizona, so somewhere in the South, you know, and yep. you're flying them in here and end of April and there's snow on the ground. It's an immediate conversation starter with that person, you know, get used to it, man. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Richardson, I apologize, but yeah. it's usually not like this. I know you're used to the Florida weather. Uh, exactly. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Is that, is that a little preview into what Giles is going to predict the Vikings are going to do in the draft? He chooses Anthony Richardson of all players. Uh, in yeah, that example. Three, 30 degrees. I'm uh, sensing some continuity here. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to predict what the Vikings are going to do in the draft in this episode of the Wobcast. That'll come uh, perhaps in the next one. We plan to visit with you all at least one more time before the draft, uh, which is 10 days out. So pretty exciting time. We'll have some draft stories to share uh, between now and the start of the draft and maybe in the episode where we recap the draft. Um, it's uh, it's in Kansas City this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the NFL now travels the draft around the country, which is kind of a cool thing that they decided to do. I think Radio City Music Hall was a great venue for a long time, uh, but traveling it around the country, kind of a cool move by the NFL. And I was lucky enough to go to a few of them uh, before I left the team. So um, we can share some stories at some point. Uh, but uh, today we really want to get into the specialists and then we want to um, talk a couple of things related uh, to the NFL draft. So let's get down to business. Before we do that, Giles, um, a few uh, news and notes. The Vikings offseason program uh, commencing uh, as we speak, basically. Um, yeah. So you know, last year, this was a bigger deal, I think, for the Vikings, Giles, because it was a new head coach and new GM, and they got to start a week earlier than everyone else, which is the mm -hmm. policy in the league for teams with new coaches, you get to start earlier. Mm -hmm. So I think from that standpoint, not not really a big deal. Um, but still, it's the offseason program now that begins. And there's a, a like a three and a half week break uh, for the coaches and players in July once the offseason program ends to when they got to be in town for training camp. So other than that, though, I mean, they're back to work now. Um, mm -hmm. Four days a week typically is, is what teams do for offseason programs. So everyone gets a three-day weekend. But uh, four days a week from here until the middle of or early part of June, the Vikings will be working and trying to, trying to get their 2023 season off to the right start. So I guess I want to start with what do you think we're going to be talking about? Uh, with the Vikings 
gals, because there's going to be a media availability at least once a week, I would think, mm -hmm. where reporters will be around the building and talking to coaches and players. And there's going to be headlines that we're going to see. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but think that headlines are going to are going to be around the quarterback and whether he's going to be here or not. And if there's going to be another quarterback with him and what's that going to do. But so I think that's a talker that gets kind of tired or will get tired. So other than that, what are some things you think we're going to be talking about with the Vikings here during the off season program? Yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, I was going to answer that with kind of a threefold answer. Uh, first, being quarterback, but moving that aside, I think yeah. the last two are culture and overall competition. Now, I think culture can be answered almost immediately because I think when you kind of do a, a quick look back into the last offseason, people were really excited about the the potential of what Kevin O'Connell could bring to the table. But there was also yeah. some question marks. Like he seems like he's a positive, upbeat kind of guy, uh, yep. but will that actually take place on the field? And so people were really kind of approaching that entire new uh, uh, season with some curiosity, right? Well, now with an entire season under our belts with, uh, I guess, kind of a short track record that he tends to be a very positive guy. I'm really yeah. excited to see what the participation will look like and uh, seeing what that looks like culturally on, yeah. uh, I guess, inside Egan. Um, so really excited to see the, the reports coming from that. Um, and although we won't necessarily get answers this quickly, I think there will start to be speculation on uh, competition within each of the individual rooms. Like, for example, who is the, the next starting safety beyond Harrison Smith? Personally, I'm a Josh Metellus guy. Um, there's a lot of different ways that that could fall out. A lot of people are talking about Lewis Seen. Will he start to make his way into the starting spot? But I think that conversation starts to build when you think about the the number uh, two wide receiver, will that be KJ Osborne? Will that be someone that's not on a roster? Maybe Jalen Naylor, maybe, uh, but uh, kind of exploring what those things look like and seeing how they affect once people are actually in the building. Yep, that's good. I think the the culture dynamic is an interesting one, Giles, because um, I, I I would venture to to guess, if I remember right, that their, their participation last year was pretty high Correct. in the offseason program, which is typical, though, for teams with new head coaches mm -hmm. if it's equally high or or close to it um this this time around i think that's a good sign for the culture um Great sign. because that novelty of a new coach is gone and guys might feel a little bit comfortable and not have to be there necessarily so if they're showing up this year i think that's a good sign that's what i think will happen now you might have a key vet here and there who decides not not to show up for whatever the reason and you got to deal with that as they come but i expect the participation to be to be pretty high um and i think i think another part of that is even though the head coach is the same don't mm -hmm. you think that there being a new defensive coordinator and that person being brian flores and there being so much turnover on defense it's almost got that new coach feel to it on that side of the ball agreed you, you have know, a new where, head coach on the defense yeah and it's like even if you're a returning player I think you should probably be there, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> to kind of get your arms around what's going on uh, because it's going to be quite different than how it was with Ed Donatel. hundred so. percent. And honestly, I've usually been in the opinion, if you're ever anywhere close to the bubble, when it comes to making the roster uh, by the time the season starts, you should be there. Like at the end of the day, if you need a show effort, even if you're not hundred percent clicking, if you can at least show effort, I think that goes a long way with the coaches. Maybe you yeah. can disagree. You were actually in the building a lot more than I was. No, I agree I with feel that. Like being yeah. there is important. Nope, it is. I, I totally agree with that. Um, okay, next one, a headline that stood out to me. Um, you know, we've talked the last few shows about like, that's, that's just a headline that stood out to us for whatever the reason, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I see that Devin White has requested a trade. Um, and I, you know, I think he's a great player linebacker mm -hmm. for Tampa Bay. Um, you know, and I think when, when you watch him, or when you watch Tampa Bay games, number 45 is an absolute standout. He's faster than everyone, and he's all he's always near the ball, and he was a key part of their Super Bowl run uh, a couple of years ago. So it doesn't stand out to me because I think it'd be great for the Vikings to go get him. Like, well, I mean, that would be great for them to go get Devin White. I don't think that's a fit. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But the reason it stood out to me, Giles, is we talked about how are the Vikings going to populate the cornerback room because we feel like they're short not on talent or ability which they are but they're short on numbers like just mm -hmm. guys there yeah, um bodies. They <laughs> yeah bodies yeah they don't have enough and yep. so it was a good reminder to me because you you know you mentioned 
that trading for one is still a possibility. I brought up the Jalen Ramsey thing, and obviously mm -hmm. he's with Miami now, but you, you mentioned the possibility of a trade still happening. So, you know, if you're perusing the internet for NFL headlines right now, two of them that you will find are veterans with teams mm -hmm. who are probably not going to be with those teams when next mm -hmm. season starts. And Devin White is one of them. And DeAndre Hopkins is the other uh, with the Arizona mm -hmm. Cardinals. So I don't know that either of those are necessarily good fits for the Vikings, but it's a reminder that a trade is still the route you can go if you want to fill a position. And I, I do feel after talking last week about corners, Giles, I, I feel corner is a very heavy need mm -hmm. for the Vikings. So I'm not prepared really to assess the market myself for corners who could be trade targets. That's something we could look at maybe next week. Um, or if you have a list, we could go over it. Um, but, you know, I think that's one avenue the Vikings could consider going down pre-draft or post-draft if they wanted to get better at that position. 100%. And honestly, before they ended up hiring their now head coach, I was actually thinking that Patrick Sertain II would be potentially in the trade market, uh, considering really? that Denver was... Uh, in a win now window and that window closed abruptly last season. Yeah. Uh, but now that they've hired Sean Payton, I don't expect that to happen. I think there were some rumors early on in the off season that, Hey, if they're going into a rebuild window, that maybe he's certain the second could be on the, on the chopping block uh, to be, be shipped across. I think he ended the year at an 86.8 grade, uh, which was phenomenal. So if you think about finding a player like that, um, yeah. who was drafted, I believe, I don't want to speculate. I forget exactly his draft position, but he wasn't necessarily in the top 10, uh, but he was definitely a first, First round pick um how can you go acquire one of those players whether it's via the draft or via free agency um or or via trade market getting one of those players i think is a really intriguing option to be able to solidify your defense um uh but other than that i think uh, there's a lot of different options that could be uh in play it's just a matter of trade compensation because um, i think there might be some players that are on the market but our compensation doesn't equal what they're looking for um whether it's one of our players or one of our picks i think that can become a kind of a complex web yeah so, you know, we, we kind of began the, the position by position look at the roster by comparing or, yeah, by comparing and contrasting the ways you could go about building a room, right? And it's, you know, you can draft a bunch of guys and do it organically. You can, um, you can go the commercial, the commercial way and trade, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Or you can do some sort of mix and, mm -hmm. um, you know, you look at how other teams do it. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles, I think, probably had the best, if not the best, one of the best defenses last year. Uh, mm -hmm. They had, they had a great secondary and their two outside corners were James Bradbury and Darius Slay. And both of those guys, they acquired via trade mm -hmm. um, and it worked for them. So, uh, you know, just adding more credence to that idea of it for the Vikings. I, I think, I think you'd say Jalen Ramsey was a key part to the Rams Super Bowl run a few years ago and they acquired him via trade. And so I think we fall in love this time of year with the idea of building your roster exclusively through the draft, finding the diamond in the rough, hitting on the blue chip player who becomes a, an all pro. And that is the most economical way to go, but you can't be economical at every turn. Sometimes you got to spend money. Sometimes you got to stick your neck out there. You got to uh, take a chance. And so mm -hmm. lots of examples of success of teams uh, making a, a big trade for a player, giving up a significant amount to get that player, but then that player helps you reap rewards. And I think the Eagles, although they didn't win the Super Bowl, they saw that in the cornerback room with the way they got Darius Slay and James Bradbury, you know, acquiring them via trade. So mm -hmm. uh, might be a fun thing for us to look at um, in, over the next couple of weeks, any trade targets and guys who aren't trade targets suddenly become trade targets some years after, after the draft. Right. Mm -hmm. So yep. you drafted um, this position. Now I want out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that totally can happen. So uh, something, something we could take a look at in the next couple of weeks uh, on the Wobcast, um, unless the Vikings take a corner at 23 or, or um, may, maybe even in the second round. I think if that happens, you're counting on that guy to be a starter. And then I think it becomes less of a feel of a need. Wouldn't mm -hmm. you agree? Okay. Um, I still think they yeah. need more bodies. Um, but if a corner is the first round pick, wherever they end up picking first, um, I think that would sort of, um, calm the waters a little bit, but 
Agreed. just just a thought I had after our, our conversation uh, from last week's Wobcast that this is actually a pretty significant need for the Vikings. So mm-hmm. um, for those of you listening now who didn't catch that discussion, we had we had a good discussion about corners last week. We encourage you to go back and check it out. So. Um, okay, let's let's wrap up our position by position. Look at the Vikings, gals. We're going to talk specialists. So, um, and special teams. I think um, you know we need to touch on a few different things here. We need to hit on the kicker, the punter, um, and and the return game. Mm-hmm. So, I think we should start with the kicker. Uh, the kicker is Greg Joseph, and they may have some competition for him maybe this off season. I, I don't know how that really is going to go. It kind of looks like it's his job, you know, that he'll be, he'll be the guy, but you never know with kickers. It's a very finicky position. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll start there. And I think when it comes to special teams in general, Giles, this is, and I, we were talking before about this, but since I've been away from the team, this is the hardest sort of facet of the, game and of the team to analyze for me being out of the building because there's a lot of nuance to it and not being able to get up out of my chair walk down the hallway and talk to prefer or ficken like i used Mm -hmm. to be able to do um the information is a lot harder to get a hold of and the opinions are a lot more difficult to form so yep um i still do have some thoughts on it as i know you do as well i i think generally though I don't think that Greg Joseph is a disaster um, at all. I don't think he's a disaster. Uh, And the kicking game has been a little bit of a disaster in the last maybe decade for the Vikings. You know, I think Zim had a real hard time settling Mm -hmm. it down. Um, But it does leave a lot to be desired, I think. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't feel the Vikings are in one of the better spots when it comes to their kicking game. Mm-hmm. And I know you've got your hands on the numbers and you've got your own thoughts on it. I'm wondering if the numbers or you would disagree with that at all, would want to come at it from the other way. When mm-hmm. I say it just, I'm a little underwhelmed uh, at the kicking position for the Vikings. Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, it's important to note the, the pairing of the kicking game uh, with the rest of the, the team. Uh, for example, if you're talking about extra points, well, obviously if you're making an extra point, that means you just scored a touchdown. So if you're a yeah. team that scores a lot of touchdowns, inherently you're going to be making a lot more attempts, which for the Vikings, they happen to be fifth in extra points attempted um, actually by a, a fairly decent margin, right? So when you think about teams that don't score a lot of points, you're going to have less at bat, so to speak for, yeah. uh, for a kicker. Um, and just so happens, although we were fifth in extra points attempted, we were actually actually seventh in extra points made. So thankfully we're in the similar position where we should be. But when you break that down uh, as a percentage in comparison to the rest of the league, we were actually 37th in extra point percentages. So I don't want to claim to be an extra point or a kicking uh, fiend, so to speak. But ultimately, it seems like the more you kick, the more likely you are to make a regression. Um, seemingly, so I don't want to compare this necessarily to golf, but seemingly that's kind of an issue for us. Um, now, thankfully, I mean, we weren't missing a ton, but when from a percentage standpoint, we definitely dropped off the table. Yeah. And so if you rank worse than 32nd, which you just said the Vikings do, that means there are multiple, there are multiple teams with multiple kickers who were better than Greg Joseph. That's what you're saying, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's that they were good. trying to kick by committee, so to speak, or right. providing competition. So as you would imagine, then if you just rank at one to 32, the Vikings were, um, were at the bottom. They were one of the three worst teams when it comes to extra point percentage, 87%. So mm-hmm. I get it. It's not, uh, it's not a try like it used to be where teams were 99%. Um, it's a longer try, a 33 yard try, but still 87% on extra points, especially when you kick as many as the Vikings do. It's just, it's gotta be better than that. It's not yep. good enough. And seriously, Giles, and this, this is something we can talk about today within our special teams conversation, but it's also probably an episode in and of itself. If I'm at 87%, I'm thinking about going for two a lot, a lot more. I mean, agreed. Yep. Uh, Especially like, when you think about your offensive philosophy of putting points in the board, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, when you bring it down to actual points, we technically were still eighth in extra points made, right? In terms of the actual, or I'm sorry, seventh in extra points made. So we still had 40 extra points made. Um, so in terms of putting points in the board, we were more than other teams, but percentage wise, not necessarily the greatest. Yeah. So I completely agree from a statistical standpoint that maybe it's more valuable to go for two. I mean, yeah. And this whole thing about 
it's really risky. Like what a risky thing. And I'm like, I don't know. Is it because, because see the, the counter to that is like, wow, you're giving up the extra point to go for two. And it's like, no, you're not giving up the extra point. You're giving up the chance to have an extra point, which for the Vikings, you're about the worst team in the league at achieving that, that chance. So Mm-hmm. that's that's the part of that argument that gets forgotten there's there's sort of a fallacy there where it's like oh you're giving up an automatic point to go for two it's like no you're not it's not automatic nope. <laughs> for the vikings it's 87 percent. i mean yep. <laughs> you know like that's yep not automatic at all so um and there are anyway. teams with 100 percent, right i mean i would say there's uh, maybe 14 teams that have 100 percent extra point percentage um so i mean it can be done uh, absolutely can be done. I'm, I'm looking at the list right now. Colts, Saints, Steelers, Chargers, Texans. I mean, I'll just start right there. All those teams were hundred percent, you know, and like, I think most of the folks listening, including you and me, we'd have to really strain to, to remember who each of those teams kickers are. Like, it's not a bunch of like hall of fame kickers either. Like there's no reason not to have above 90% here. So that's got to get better. All right. 100%. So that one component of the kicking game right there sort of validates our statement that we're underwhelmed by the kicking game for the Vikings. So let's talk field goals now. Yep. So field goals is kind of a similar story. Um, I broke this down into different categories for field goals. Uh, the first category being 20 to 29 yards. The second yep. category being 30 to 39 yards. The third category being 40 to 49 yards and the fourth category being 50 yards plus. Okay. So for the first category between 20 and 29 yards, we had hundred percent completion, um, which actually is tied for second best in the league. Okay. Um, in the 30 to 39 category, we also had hundred percent. We were tied yep. for second in the league. Yep. Now, once we get into the third category between 40 and 49 yards, we had an 88% uh, completion, which was 11th best in the league. And the moment we get down to the fourth category, which is 50 yards plus, we get down to 40% completion, which is 30th in the NFL, which is not great. Um, now, I think it is important to note here um, the percentage of times that 50 yard complete or uh, 50 yard attempts are had in the NFL. Uh, because if I were to come in this uh, conversation with just my gut reaction, I would say 50 yard attempts are happening a lot more in the NFL. However, I think the data would tell you otherwise. I think uh, if I remember correctly, over half the league had six or less attempts at 50 yards plus. And there was a considerable portion of that 50% that only had one or two. So I think we think of about 50 yarders as this big growing category, but really those are happening in pivotal moments that are, are game winners or losers, but they're not necessarily happening a ton more. So I think, um, I'm not as concerned about the 40% as maybe some other people would be considering that it doesn't happen a ton, but I think yep. I would prefer that it happens more than 40% when we do try. Yeah. So uh, this is an interesting talk or two, and it relates back to what we talked about with the extra points on going for two more. And, and on, on this, it's going for it more often on mm -hmm. fourth down compared to kicking 54 yard field goal. Mm -hmm. um, however, while I would be a proponent Giles, if you and I were leading a team and building a team, I would want to steer us down the path of like, let's be one of these teams that go, goes for it a lot more like fourth and short fourth and medium. Yep. yep. Um, going for two, I'd, I'd be going down that route. Now I wouldn't do it in cavalier fashion and do it every single time. I'd still kick extra points. I'd still do field goals, but <laughs> I'd really want us to be weighing the risk here of, and I think this is why there are fewer 50 yard attempts than maybe we might've guessed is it's, it's teams are saying, Hey, I got a better shot of making four yards here on fourth and four than I do of trotting my kicker out there and making a 56 yard field goal. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're going to go for it here instead of do it. But however, you are going to have to kick these 50 plus yard field goals and more times than not, it's, it's going to be a high stakes moment, mm -hmm. at least a more high stakes moment than a 38 yard field goal would be because it's going to be happening with, you know, 40 seconds left in the half. It's going to be happening at the end of the game to win or lose or to tie or to move it to overtime. Um, and if you miss it, the other team gets the ball right there. So you're giving them the ball at midfield, right? Mm -hmm. So these, these 50 yard kicks are higher stakes moments um, more times than not um, mm -hmm. because, and, and really the thing that tips the scale there is it's, it's normally going to be happening at a moment where you really need the points. Otherwise mm -hmm. you'd probably just go for it. 
Yeah. Um, so you got to be good in this area. You can't just write it off. You, if, if you can't make these field goals, you're at a significant disadvantage when it comes to, uh, you know, last two minutes and a half and at the end of a game. So, you know, being four or 10 to me again, I don't think it's something where I can get on the table and say, you got to cut this guy. You can't have him anymore, mm-hmm. but it's closer to that than it is to feeling good about it. Agreed. You know? And I think uh, if there happened to be a phenomenal kicker available to you, I think we would maybe give it a shot. Um, I'm never usually in the category that we should draft a kicker. Um, I think there are uh, more efficient uses of resources. Um, yeah. But with that being said, if you stumble upon one, I wouldn't be against giving that a, a competition to, to make that position better. Now, I know, like you mentioned, this is a position of continuity. I think uh, if you look back to, was it last season, the season before, um, that we ended up moving on from our... Um, our, our holder and our punter, um, uh, things started to train wreck a little bit back when we had our previous kicker. And I think, uh, there's so much continuity involved with that three tandem that if you, if you destroy that, that can actually do more harm than good. So I think if you are going to make that, uh, change, you need to be, make sure we need to make sure that you're, you're confident in that. Um, because even though they might be a better kicker, if you disrupt that continuity, you could actually end up with a worse, uh, uh, kicking game than you had before. It, it, that, that is very true, Giles, and you make a great point. And it's not, you're, you're not overstating that, that the synergy among that group absolutely matters. Um, and it's, it's why a, it's pretty rare in the NFL for anyone other than the punter to be the holder. Mm-hmm. And the reason is they spend practice time together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't have the backup quarterback or, you know, someone else be the holder because they're practicing with their unit mm-hmm. so they're they can't be with the kicker and the long snapper for the the majority of practice practicing so they're the specialists are standing not just standing around watching practice the whole time like they're mm-hmm. practicing so um it's a specialized every facet of the operation is specialized yep. um you know because it would make a lot of sense if it's like we're going to run a bunch of fakes and we're going to have, uh, you know, our fastest player be our holder because now yeah. you don't know if we're faking it or whatever. It's like he, he's got to practice. You know, if your yeah. fastest player is your corner, he's got to be at, you know, a defensive install or yeah. seven on sevens or whatever. Like he's practicing. He can't be with the kicker and the long snapper yeah. holding during practice. So, yeah. Um, you're right that that synergy does matter. And that's why you want to figure out what you're doing as early as you can. A lot like offensive line, right? Your offensive line coaches talk about that too, where they're like, Mm -hmm. we're going to identify the best five and go with those guys and get those guys playing together as early in the off season program as we can. Um, That's what you want to do with your specialists as well. So while I'm with you that uh, the draft is not the ideal place to be uh, looking for a kicker, uh, I agree with that, and I don't think it's a really high priority for the Vikings here. But if there was one that was good this year, I think you got. I think you would, you should spend some time considering it because I'm underwhelmed by what what the default option is. Yeah. Um, and specifically with the kicker, I feel like in every other category, we're actually doing above average. Okay. Well, let let's um let's put a bow then on the kicker. Um, it feels a little bit like we just kind of like assassinated. Uh, Greg Joseph. I didn't mean to do that. Um, and I hope that he is the guy and proves us wrong. And uh, this time next year, we're talking about how great it was and what a great decision that they stuck with Greg Joseph. That's what I hope happens, yeah. but I'm not counting on it. Uh, let's, let's go to the punter then. Um, let's break down the punter in similar fashion to how we, how we just did it with, uh, with Greg Joseph. So Ryan, Wright, Your thoughts. Um, honestly, I think he is a big bulky dude. I mean, most people compare him into a linebacker, which is is, kind of an interesting element. I think that showed up uh, in a few different games this past season where if there were any um, kind of fault points with the play, uh, he was able to actually tackle people. Um, yeah. you think of a punter, you don't necessarily think of him. Uh, so honestly, I, I really enjoy him as a punter. Um, mm-hmm. he actually ended the year, I believe at the 13th best punter. Now I think it's important to note for the top 10, all of them have about a point or two difference in their PFF grade. Ultimately Ryan okay. Wright had a 70.4 grade, uh, and multiple ones in front of him only have like a, a 70.9. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. I think there's a a pretty low variance when it comes to the best punters in the league. Um, But when you think about all the different categories that he brings forward, I think he's above average in most of them. Um, When you think about uh, punt attempts, uh, we were were 10th. So we did punt quite a bit, which is kind of a, 
uh, a different conversation. He's more of a reactionary player, right? He doesn't decide when he goes on the field. He goes on the field when something else happens. So um, when you think about our team's philosophy, I think that'll be interesting to see how they approach this next season. But ultimately, I view him as um, a perfect kicker or a perfect punter, rather, for us um, when you sing, uh, think about all the different attributes that he brings to the team. Yeah, I... Um... You know, I think it makes for interesting discussion when we disagree on some things, but I can't okay. with you on this one. Um, yep. I think Ryan Wright is really good, and uh, I wouldn't be looking in any way, shape, or form to replace him. I don't think you ever close yourself off to anything. You're always kind of looking. Mm -hmm. uh, however, mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it, I think it is like the very early stages of Chris Cluey's tenure with the Vikings. He was very good for a, mm -hmm. a few years. Mm -hmm. That's the last time I felt this good about a punting situation. I think I feel mm -hmm. better about Ryan Wright than I do about Cluey. Yep. Let me share two things with you that are really impressive to me, Giles. And, yeah. and what you just laid out makes a lot of sense too. But how about just one touchback last year? That is phenomenal i didn't look at that but that is that is one huge. touchback so this is a maybe I, I don't know if this is would be a nuance for folks or if this is obvious to folks i don't know but to me like cardinal sin when i was in with the team if our punter would punt it into the end zone i mean mm -hmm. it's like like a big deal like like mm -hmm. prefer prefer is pissed you know yeah. zim like, is pissed because you you basically just handed them 20 yards you know, yep. um, that they didn't have to work for, they didn't have to work at all for it. They just stood there and watched the ball go in the end zone. So punting the ball into the end zone, absolute cardinal sin. And he did it only one time last year yep. on how many 73 punts 73 and only punts. one of them went into the end zone. Uh, conversely, uh, the, the, the opposite of punting it into the end zone is stopping it inside the 20, right? If, if giving them free, a free 20 yards is like the backbreaker, well, not doing that is what you want to do. And pinning it as far back as you can is optimal. Mm -hmm. And they, Ryan Wright did that 32 times out of 73 punts, which uh, 32 punts inside the 20, very, very good. In fact, it might be number two or three. I can't see the entire rankings right here. Uh, but um, punts inside the 20, very good. So those, those two things are kind of one point. Uh, yep. The second one that I really liked about um, the special teams and the punting game is um, their average yards permitted on a return per punt was 7.7, .7, which was eighth best mm -hmm. in the NFL. So when yep. you talk about, you know, not wanting to give up 20 free yards by punting it into the end, we're talking about hidden yardage in the stat sheets here, mm -hmm. um, which matters. Mm -hmm. And only permitting seven and a half yards essentially per punt um, is very good. It's not the best. The Chargers were the best at that at 3.2. There were a couple of teams at 7 and 7.4, but um, for all intents and purposes, the Vikings were one of the best teams in the league. That when when they had to punt the ball, uh, they maximized the advantage, or maybe a better way to say it is they minimized any damage done by having to give the ball up by yep. punting it a long ways, by never punting it into the end zone except for one time, and by not letting anyone return it on them a ways. Yep. So I think that was a very solid part of the Vikings effort last year. Now the defense did not take advantage of it because they were awful. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the punting game and the, the punt coverage game, very, very good for the Vikings last year. I think that is, uh, that's an incredible metric, especially when you pair that with his size. Uh, when you think about his, his big body nature, uh, yeah. they were able to minimize, like you said, the, the impact after they got the ball and were moving forward. But when you think about maximizing, uh, Ryan Wright, I believe was seventh in the league at net yards per punt in terms of how, how far he kicked it. Um, yeah. he averaged 43 yards, which is almost tied for like basically second. It's between 43 and 44 yards for those top guys. Um, so when you think about it, it's not necessarily that uh, they were not able to pr uh, produce any touchbacks because they couldn't kick it very far. He was able to kick it a long ways, but just yeah. kick it far enough where it got to the end zone and then still stop them at 7.7 .7 yards. That's how you have an elite special teams unit. Yep. Yep. So um, I'm, I'm very satisfied there. Um, I think they're in great shape when it comes to the punter and to punt coverage. Now, what you got to do is keep populating your punt coverage team with good players. You can't neglect that. And I don't 
foresee the Vikings being a team that would neglect that because you can have mm-hmm. a great punter, but if no one can run down and cover, it doesn't really matter. So, um, but this is just very, as I was looking at numbers, reflecting back on games, guys, I know they had one block punt against them last year, but just a very, very solid part of the team was punting. And it's like, oh, great. Oh, that's awesome. We're good at punting. Woo-hoo. But it's like that it does matter. I mean, you know, you don't want to be awful at anything because this yep. is uh, football is a, is a dynamic complementary game. So yep. this was an area of the Vikings game that was very, very good. Um, um, which also lastly, to put a bow on that specific topic, yeah. I also think that is one of the bigger pieces of how teams play chess in the NFL. When you think about field positioning uh, and thinking two to three drives in the future and where you want to place that ball to, to maximize things. So if you think you yep. can make a stop, where do you want the ball? And, uh, you know, thinking back and back and forth, uh, I think there's a huge element of that, that I believe Kevin O'Connell does very well. Yep. Agreed. Yep. I agree with you. Okay, let's do um, let's do kickoff return. Uh, we'll touch on punt return too a little bit, but uh, we'll wrap up the, the special teams recap here with returners. You know, Kenny Wangwu, obviously great speed. Uh, he had a touchdown last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can do a lot of different things for you. I think he's a guy you can put on the field on offense. Um, and to me, he's he's a threat as a returner. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're used to you know, Marcus Sherrill's and Cordero Patterson, and we played against Devin Hester for a decade, right? So I think Mm -hmm. Vikings fans are aware and awake to the idea of a threat at returner. And so their standard or bar, our standard or bar might be higher than some other teams. Mm -hmm. But even with that inflated standard, uh, Wong Wu to me um, is a guy, he's he's a dude, you know, and I think you'd be very hard pressed to unseat him as the Vikings mm-hmm. kickoff returner this year. So I'm, I'm thumbs up on him. Um, I know you've got some numbers and data. Um, I mentioned he has, he had the touchdown last year, but mm-hmm. anything else you want to point to when it comes to Wong Wu? Yeah, I would uh, completely mimic your sentiments. I think he's a great uh, returner. He ended the year at a 72.7 grade, mm-hmm. um, which happened to be the ninth best returner in the NFL. Okay. Um, once again, most of though, there's a, a pretty low degree of variance between the ninth and ultimately the, the second. Um, when you look at yards achieved in a return, um, he was second uh, just behind Nixon from uh, from ultimately Green Bay, um, uh, who happened to be a cornerback. Uh, but ultimately he had 920 yards throughout the season that he returned on. Um, his longest just happened to be uh, 97 yards for that uh, that touchdown. He had one touchdown, which ties for, I believe, second in the league. Um, so ultimately, just great returner. I don't think you could ask for much more when you think about uh, just generating a player out of nothing, really, um, to be able to impact this side of your your, your team. All right. Yep. Um, how about punt returner? Um, this is one where, you know how I mentioned with Wang Wu, you can feel really good about where you put him on the field aside from him being a kickoff returner. And yep. I, I, I just, I don't know if that's how I feel about the punt returner and we, okay. You do agree. I was going to say we, mm-hmm. we, ha- we've dis- we discussed this a little bit when we were talking about the wide receiver room um, and you know what you can or can't do with Jalen Rager Um but I don't think anything he does aside from his role as a returner fortifies his position as the returner. So I think this is one where he could be unseated perhaps not because he's an awful returner, but because I don't know how much he can help you in other parts of the team. If that makes sense. I would agree. He ended the year at a 50.2 grade from a punt return standpoint. He had uh, 26 snaps, so does uh, I think, and then only was able to achieve 228 yards. Um, So ultimately not very great. He did have one good play that was 51 yards, uh, but he averaged about 8.8 yards per attempt, um, which is also not not necessarily great when we were thinking about how the the Vikings are great because they can stop teams at 7.7 yards. Well, Jalen Rigger was just above that. So I think this would be one category if we're trying to improve our team and improve that chess mass, so so to speak. I think we need to make sure that we improve that, uh, if not double that, if we can. Yeah, no no touchdowns. And I know know he's fast and explosive and all that, but just doesn't feel like a legit threat, like a guy you're worried about, a guy you game plan against. That's not him. Um, And so I think this is, you know, you mentioned competition, Giles, um, Mm -hmm. as maybe being a theme of the offseason program, which it should be for every team, but a particular one for the Vikings, given where they are as a club. 
And here's a position that's, I think, up for competition, um, you know, certainly, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, coverage teams, I think solid punter, very, very good. One of the best in the league kicker, a lot to, to be desired, uh, punt returner, a lot to be desired. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of where I think the Vikings, that's where we think the Vikings stand special teams wise. Um, any other notes that you wanted to empty out of your notebook uh, before we turned our attention elsewhere? Uh, no, I think that works. All right. So that that's that's a wrap for our position-by-position position breakdown uh, of the Vikings roster, which is something that we really felt was important to do as we started Season 2 of the Wobcast 2.0 was to take a look at every position on the roster, break it down, how is it constructed, how is it built, what worked last year, what didn't work last year, what needs to be better uh, in 2023. So go back and listen to previous episodes of the Wobcast 2.0 if you're just stumbling onto us right now. Um, either via podcast or via YouTube, we have, um, nine previous episodes. And in each one, we broke down a position, um, on the Vikings roster, in addition to talking about other topics. So we encourage you to go back, check those out, take a listen, let us know what you thought. Uh, it was really fun to do guys the way we did it. Um, especially early on when we were talking about, uh, receivers and, um, the pass rush and how you can build your room and utilize different methods of acquiring players draft and free agency and trades and, and how you can sort of make it work. And Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, the lesson that you take away is there's no one right way to do it when it comes to any position, you know, Mm -hmm. and the bottom line is it's a puzzle and you got to put pieces together and you got to figure out what's important to you based on how the game is played in, in its current state and based on your schemes you know, what's important to you. And one of my, one of my biggest takeaways, I think is the defense is under construction and we don't really know what's really important to the defense. We'll find that out once we hear Brian Flores talk. And once we see the team play defense, Mm -hmm. I think though, what we do understand is that this team will stop and start as its offense stops and starts Mm -hmm. and that almost everything they do needs to be centered on what puts our offense in a position to succeed score points and set the tempo because they have one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL, they have one of the best, if not the best pass catching tight ends in the NFL, and they're heavily invested in a quarterback and an offensive coach. Mm -hmm. So that's who they are. Yep. And I know it's not the purple people eaters, Bud Grant, like mantra way to go, but that's not who the Vikings are right now. They're a team led by its offense. Agreed. Yeah, I think, uh, and you'll find that to be quite evident in this year's draft, I think. Um, but I mean, ultimately this can uh, fall a lot of different ways, uh, especially considering how the top 10 can really fall out and what players fall, um, which then once again, can have a uh, pretty severe impact on, on uh, the way that you draft and what positions you have to actually go for. But I completely agree. Yep. All right. So let's shift our attention here before we put a, a wrap on this episode of the Wobcast to the draft. Um, 10 days to go, which that that's going to come up quickly. Yeah. Um, before you know it, the draft will be here. You got one more weekend. And then then the weekend after that is, is the draft. It starts on Thursday night, continues into Friday, concludes on Saturday, uh, mm-hmm. in Kansas city. We talked last episode guys about how we believe that there are probably quite a few headlines and newsy days to come for the Vikings in advance of the draft. And we think that because there's a quarterback situation to figure out for the Vikings, even though Kirk Cousins obviously has played really well for the team and a lot of fans are happy with him and Kevin O'Connell seems to like him. There's always a, you know, an aura of uncertainty around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that continues to be the case even right now. I still believe he'll be the quarterback next year, but you made a comment last week that you're semi wavering on that, even though you'd like to see him be here. You're wondering if maybe the Vikings are moving away from him. And, and I think you were alluding to the fact that the timing of that is not entirely in their control Mm -hmm. because if certain things happen across the league, or if the draft falls a certain way that could accelerate the timeline by which the Vikings move on from their quarterback. Is that sort of what you were alluding to? A hundred percent. That's exactly what I was referring to. Cause I, I look at this past off season and all the different moves that they've made, including Kirk cousins contract. I really think they're tipping their hand to saying, we're going to move on from you, but we don't want to 
commit to that in case things fall. So for example, let's say they're really interested in CJ Stroud. Um, if CJ Stroud goes number one overall, obviously he's not acquirable. Um, if CJ Stroud tends to fall to three and number three pick is ultimately acquirable, um, the Vikings may be in a position to try to trade up and go grab that. They may have already even pre-negotiated potential route to move on from Kirk Cousins, for example, to the 49ers. Um, but obviously they don't want to move on from him if they can't go get CJ Stroud, if they're potentially, I'm speculating, they're not yep. interested in the other yep. two quarterbacks. They don't want to put themselves into a position where they have zero quarterback, um, which I think is smart. When you think about uh, Quesito Fomensa um, and his Wall Street background, he wants certainty. He, wanna, he wants to maximize the upside, but more importantly, uh, protect the downside and understanding we don't want to become a dumpster fire franchise and go into the season without a quarterback uh, because that's where you can really put yourself in a position to make dumb decisions where I need a quarterback. So I guess I'll take this guy. Yeah. I think uh, you can make an argument that the Vikings have done that in the past. Um, so I think they're simply trying to protect, uh, protect against that scenario. Yep. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that's a good way to look at it. And it's probably true. And <laughs> here's the other thing too. Um, and I talked about this quite a lot with when, when I was with the team and I would email with fans, uh, you know, those were really conversations that I would have with them where I wasn't broadcasting this opinion or this insight to the mm -hmm. world on the internet. So when you, when you interacted with me via email, it was sort of like a little bit of a, of a perk or a bonus, like, mm -hmm. you know, here's, here's some extra insight that I can't necessarily broadcast on the mm -hmm. website, but I can tell you. Mm -hmm. So, and what I would say a lot of times is sometimes you find out the truth or someone's opinion by what they don't say, not by what they say, it's by what they don't say. Mm -hmm. And I am not hearing the Vikings coming out and being like, Kirk's our guy. Like, this is our quarterback. I don't know what you all are. Like, I know you guys need to make headlines and sell mm -hmm. papers and get clicks, but so you guys go do that. But like, he's our quarterback. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, John Harbaugh's quote on Lamar Jackson was, you know, I'm 200% certain that he'll be our quarterback this year. He said that, like, I can't remember. It was like one of the last weeks of the season last year. Yep. So like, and, and, and even if that was a negotiating ploy, or even if he was posturing, I don't, I don't know, but like, that's the type of statement you would expect. Like, like Bill Belichick never let speculation run wild that they might be moving on from Tom Brady. Right. I mean, it was like, <laughs> he's our guy and yep. I'm not hearing that from the Vikings about cousins. And so yep. I think you need to read into it that way too, mm -hmm. where it's like, you find out what's going on by listening to what they are not saying. And they are not saying that cousins is our guy, get out of here, get off our lawn, you know, yep. move on to some, something else. Yep. Right. A hundred percent. And that's not to say that Kirk cousins won't be our quarterback next year, but I think they're putting themselves into a potential, uh, a potential position to move on from him. If the, the board falls right come yep. next week. Um, all right. So other headlines, I think we could happen. You alluded to a possible Daniel Hunter trade. Um, I, I do think you're right about that, that I, I don't say that, that I'm not going to say it will happen, but I'm not ruling that out. Mm -hmm. The one I'm really kind of like when it happens, I'll just be like, geez, yeah, finally that happened. I was waiting on that one is, um, is Delvin cook. Delvin cook. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, and it's not because I think they should move on from him. I think he's a great player. In fact, I think one of the things I say the most when I watch games, like to people, you just make random comments, you know, if you're watching, I, I think almost every week I say, God, that guy is fast. Yep. Like he's fast. Very you know? fast. Yes. Yeah. Like, and he challenges defenses on the edges and, and how many times are you just like, Oh my gosh, that one guy tripped him up. If that guy went to trip him up, he's out the gates and gone. Yep. yep. Right. Like that happens right a lot. To the house. Yep. Yeah, so a hundred percent. And we also talked about how, you know, you acquire a veteran a lot via trade or free agency. And it's like, ah, that was a good, good signing. The team that gets Dalvin Cook, they're going to be like, oh, 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 oh. Yep. you know, yep. now we go. There's now we parades. go, we got Dalvin, right? And so yep, but exactly. we're sitting here going like, yeah, I think that's probably a guy you could probably move on from, you know? And yep. so it's kind of a weird thing to say about him because we feel all these positive feelings about Dalvin, but I do think that he will be gone. I do not think he'll be a Viking this upcoming season. And I'm waiting, 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 waiting for that, that deal to happen. And I don't know if it's going to be for a pick, if it's going to be for a player, if it's going to be for a six round pick and everyone's disappointed or a third round pick and everyone can't believe what they got for him, but I don't think mm -hmm. he's here. Um, maybe it's a draft day thing. I don't really know. 
Uh, what's your sense though on the timing of that and and the plan behind that? What are they are they going to use that pick to move up? Are they going to use that pick to trade again and get more picks? What, what's your sense? Yeah, <clears throat> I definitely think they move on from him. I agree with that. I think uh, when you look at it, he's a, a still a pretty great player. I think usage on our team could have been a little bit better in terms of maximizing Dalvin Cook. Um, so with that being said, I think his number one issue of being on the Minnesota Vikings is his price tag. So with that intention, I think. Uh, or that in mind, I think he won't be on the team. I do expect this to be a same day draft day trade. I expect them to package Dalvin Cook to try to either accrue picks on to either move back or move down or move back or move up. Um, but I do expect him to be packaged with another thing. Um, when you look at Quezzy's background in, in trading, I do expect him to try to create uh, leverage with that saying, I want this pick plus Dalvin Cook, and then we're going to make this happen. Um, now, I'm currently in the position that I think they're going to trade up. I really do. Um, you know, it really depends on who they like. Um, I think if if who I think they like is who they actually like, I do expect them to trade up. Now, if that doesn't happen, I guess we'll see. But I do expect them to, to package Delvin Cook um, with a package to, to go trade up. Uh, awesome. Maybe into the top five. We'll see. Wouldn't that be exciting? That'd be so much fun. That would be exciting. So... Let's do this. We'll put a bow on uh, on today's episode, um, which was productive. We put a we we wrapped up our position by position look at the Vikings roster, um, and then we talked a little draft. Next week, though, will be the Monday before the draft. Uh, whether we have a bonus webcast like the night before the draft or the day of the draft, we'll determine that uh, next week. But we're gonna talk to you at least one more time before the draft. So how about this, gals? Let's um let's pick our favorite players two or three players at some of the positions that we think are are more draftable than not okay mm -hmm. that will include quarterback by the way so that will not include running back i don't think we're going to draft a running back early right so um <laughs> we'll exclude that. some some of those positions i don't think we're going to take a safety early so we'll exclude safety so giles and i will select um a couple of players at a handful of positions that are our favorites for the vikings and we'll talk about them uh, next week on the Wobcast. That work for you guys? That's perfect. Let's do All it. All right, good. So that's the plan for the next episode of the Wobcast. We'll also uh, react uh, to some of the news and notes happening around the NFL uh, because there will be tons of it uh, between now and the next time we, we talk to the folks. And then, of course, between now and the draft. There'll be tons of news. Trust us. It's going to happen. It might feel a little slow right now, but it's coming. Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, those guys, I mean – they're sitting there right now like this, Giles. They're like, yeah, <laughs> like they, they got multiple phones going. Yeah. Like, like, like they're they're on air and send, they're getting, send, send, yeah. Yeah, they're on air and they're getting texts. They're like in the middle of a statement while they're on the air and they're like, up, oh, just hold on here. I got texts here. Okay. Yep. You know, and then yeah, <laughs> you know, they're breaking news all the time. So it's a fun time of year uh for NFL fans and for us. So uh we'll be back next week with another episode of the Wobcast as we break down all that news and uh, we talk about the draft one final time uh, before showtime for the Vikings and the rest of the league in the 2023 NFL draft. Reminder, um, you should like and subscribe to the Wobcast, and you can do that wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts. Google Play, Spotify, we're on YouTube. You can find us there. Social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. So please come find us. Please interact with us. Uh, we enjoy it, and we love it when you guys dictate the content. So let us know what you want to talk about on behalf of my partner and co-host Giles, as well as chase this is wabi signing off for now we'll be back next week with another episode of the wabcast so please join us then but until then skull vikings <laughs>